and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Cousins from Under Center, straight drop, it's another deep shot, center of the field, Welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. Well, Kirk, I don't know where to begin. I know you've said many, many times every game takes on an identity of its own, and Sunday's was uh, really one for the books. Uh, Often disjointed, jarring, just a roller coaster of emotions ended on your part, at least, on that game-winning seven-play, 75-yard drive in 65 seconds a week ago. I know you were disappointed that you couldn't cash in when you had kind of a similar situation. Did that make it all the sweeter in how that progressed on Sunday afternoon? It absolutely did. I said to our quarterback coach, Clint Kubiak, uh, late in our week of practice, I said, uh, the next opportunity we get to have a two-minute drill at the end of the game, whether that's this Sunday or weeks from now, we have to deliver. Uh, No excuses, have to get it done. I'm not talking about the end of a half, I'm talking about the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure enough, it it happened right away, you know, on Sunday. And I was just thrilled that we were able to deliver and make the necessary plays to get it done and and, uh, give our team the lead. Um, You know, and and as stressful as the game was, when it finishes the way it did, uh, it makes for a fun ending. And yet you, you couldn't quite celebrate fully yet because you still had to sweat out a 54-yard field goal, which would have won the game for Carolina. You're standing helplessly with your teammates on the sidelines thinking, I, 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 can you watch it? Do you watch it? Do you kind of keep one eye closed? Yeah, great question. I still don't know after all these years how to, how to best watch. Um, you know, my thought was, hey, we did our, our work. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's likely over. You know, from our standpoint as an offense, we're likely not going to get the ball back with enough time to do much. So now we just sit and watch. Uh, regardless of how the game ends, um, you know, it doesn't take away from, you know, production that happened on offense. But certainly, you know, the tenor of, of Sunday night and Monday as you review the game, it makes a big difference, you know, whether or not they come down and score. And so, uh, like you said, they hit a completion that got them to midfield then another one that got them in field goal range. And, I knew their kicker had a strong leg, which wasn't, you know, giving me a lot of confidence, but it was also a long kick and uh, he, he pulled it left and uh, it was pretty decidedly left. And so I was able to breathe a sigh of relief as I saw that ball take a, a left turn. Well, let's rewind to the start of the game. Your offense could not have started better. Uh, 13 play, 68 yard drive, took over seven minutes off the clock. We always ask those questions about are those plays scripted? Are they talked about throughout the week and, is that the progressions that you normally go through? Because the first drives have been pretty good for you guys. I agree. Once again, I have to give our coaches, specifically Gary, a lot of credit. He spends a lot of time late in the week, you know, Friday and Saturday, putting together that first first few plays. What's that going to look like? And and he has a reason for every play and every personnel grouping that he runs those plays from. And um, he really sets us up for success. And then it's our job to stay on schedule and not have negative plays so that we mm-hmm. can stick to that script. And I think that was a key piece as well was we stayed on schedule. Uh, you know, there weren't negative plays or sacks or penalties and it enabled us to kind of stick with that plan. And it was a mix of run and pass and screens and uh, bootlegs. And um, it was a great first drive and one that I think, uh, you know, kind of got us going early. One of the few third down plays you had on that drive, you ran for a first down on a third and eight. Uh, you had four rushing attempts. For 19 yards. This is an area of your game. You talked about, I think, even since last year that you wanted to improve on recognizing when you had that gap in the, the defense and take advantage of it. 
I know you know your limitations are when to slide, but you feel pretty good about uh, the way you progressed in that in that department. Yeah, I was pleased yesterday to have a few opportunities to run and get uh, productive gains, uh, you know, conversions. I thought that was important uh, on that specific play on the first drive. Uh, they they blitzed us right up the middle, so I was hot. They were bringing more than we could block and didn't feel like my quick throws were going to be able to get us the first down, and so I kind of drifted and then because our old line did such a good job of knocking off that pressure it bought me enough time to realize hey i got a chance here to push forward myself and uh was able to kind of get that first down with a second effort um but i'm still learning as i play off schedule <laughs> like that because when i pushed forward the person covering uh, kyle rudolph really left him uncovered so again, as I get better at being an off-schedule player, you know the ability to, to be pushing the line of scrimmage, but also keep your eyes downfield and see if there's a play to be made. Uh, I think there's always room for improvement there. And uh, as I keep getting better, who knows? Maybe you hit Kyle down the sideline and he scores. So we're always looking for ways to learn and get better. That drive ended with a touchdown pass, a little post pattern to Justin Jefferson. I mean, he made it look easy. Is it that easy? Because he sure made it look easy. Third and eight from the Panthers 12. Cook in motion to the right of Kirk Cousins out of the shotgun. BC to the right. Justin Jefferson to the left. Couple of tight ends. They're balanced. Carolina blitzes. Cousins fires to the end zone. Touchdown! He's JJ. And that's his fifth touchdown this season. Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins propel the Vikings to a 6-0 lead. No, it's not that easy. I think that defensive back was trying to take away the in cut. Um, but Justin, you know, did such a good job of planting his leg in the ground and creating separation where he was able to cross the defender's face and then make for a an open throw for me. Um, again, you know, the defense brought a what we call a saw pressure. So they're bringing linebackers off both sides, Sam and Will. And um you know, the ball was uh, where it needed to go. I mean, that was the read, and uh, Justin won and made it made it an, an easier play for me. And then uh, it's always fun when he scores to watch him do his dance. I mentioned at the beginning that the, 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 rest, the rest of the first half was pretty disjointed from both teams' perspective. It was a little surprising that you weren't able to kind of duplicate that first drive as the first half progressed, and you ended up leading 10-7 at the half. But uh, a lot of kind of just midfield stuff that was going on without a lot of action. Yeah, we had, uh, I think, four drives in the first half, if I remember correctly, scored on the first one. And then we had two drives where we were pretty backed up. So field position mm -hmm. was, was not in our favor. And um, on the first one, you know, we had a manageable third down, and we came up about six inches short of converting it. Uh, you know, I was frustrated myself because I, I threw an out route to Justin on second down that, you know, we weren't able to bring in. It was high and away, and that would have given us a first down. So that was the, uh, the series we didn't convert on backed up the first time. And the second time – uh, we did get one first down to Chad Beebe, but then we had an offsides uh, all start, got backed up to a third and 14, which is a tough one to convert and had to punt. And then, and then we uh, get the two minute drill at the end of the half. The start of the third quarter was just an absolute nightmare. I, I watched a lot of football. You've played a lot of football. I can't ever recall seeing defensive touchdowns on back to back plays for Carolina. One on the quarterback sack, the next on a, on a scrum when Dalvin cook had the ball stripped away and, that 10-7 lead evaporated in seconds. All of a sudden, you look at the scoreboard; it's 21 to 10 Carolina, and you got to be scratching your head. We're barely a minute into the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. Football is is weird like that because it can all the next play can always change the game, and uh, you have to play with that realization that uh, it, the very next play could turn everything. And 
we're at halftime after just kicking a field goal in the two minute, Dan Bailey did a great job connecting mm-hmm. the field goal before half. And we're talking about how, Hey, we're going to get the ball and we've got a great opportunity now to go down and score and push this lead to a, a, a two score lead. And uh, to give them, gift them 14 points in a matter of seven seconds. Uh, I mean, when you think you've seen it all, then that happens. And uh, um, you know, just uh, two really disappointing plays that, um, you know, just gave Carolina that 11 point lead. And then we were clawing our way back the entire rest of the game. And to make matters worse, Kirk, and after Dalvin's fumble where he's caught in that scrum, people are stepping all over him. He, he's limping off the field, and you're thinking, uh-oh, he, he could be done for the day, could be done long-term. We don't know what's going on. I'm sure his teammates are concerned about him. And it just seemed like adding uh, salt in the wound uh, watching your teammate and your top running back in the NFL limping off could not have made anybody feel any better at that moment. Well, football is such a game of momentum. And so when you give up those two you know, fumbles return for touchdown – uh, you already have so little momentum. And then to see, you know, one of your best players being carried off the field, my assumption is not only that he's out for the game, but that we may not see him for several weeks now. Mm. Um, so it was a, a momentum killer. And it really took a lot of resilience from our group, not just on offense, but even the defense, you know, to be able to hold up and get us back in the game. Let's fast forward to uh, it's 24-13 Carolina, and you start going at it. Now, 11 plays, 75-yard drive. No Adam Thielen, no Irv Smith Jr., four different receivers uh, with seven receptions. And B.C. Johnson and Chad Beebe, who's our guest later on in the show, uh, how do they stay sharp in practice and to uh, get those reps and to trust those routes when you have really no other options at that point point? you're spreading the ball all over the field? Yeah, I would say Tajay, B.C., um, even Brandon Dillon at tight end, Tyler Conklin, you know, obviously Chad. They do a really good job of mentally staying in it all week long in practice and the installs, the practice reps they get, the practice reps they don't get when they're standing and watching. I can tell that they're on top of the details and they know they have to be ready. And then uh, the scout team, you know, they get a lot of reps uh, emulating the opponent throughout the week and trying to give the defense a look and getting their full speed action there too. So I have a lot of confidence in them, and I'm not just saying that. I truly believe when they come in the game that we can win with them, that they can make plays for us, and it showed all through the second half yesterday. Chad Beebe will be here in a couple of minutes to describe his emotions after the muff punt and what led to the game-winning touchdown, but I want you to take uh, the fans into the huddle and talk about the process. It really wasn't a hurry-up, hurry-up offense, but you know there was a sense of urgency. You had to be fired up. I mean, you felt that you feel that energy surge and in the middle of that huddle, like like you said, we're going to make this work right now and go on that drive last minute, 40 seconds. Yeah, we certainly, um, you know, had the great opportunity in front of us. And I had been in situations before where you see it happen. You're down six, but, you know, a touchdown with the benefit of an extra point wins the game. So, uh, you know, we knew we had a great opportunity here. We knew what we had to do. There was no settling for a field goal. It was you got to get a touchdown or else. And, um you know, we knew the situation and uh, Gary put us in a great situation too with the, the, the place he called, uh, the way it enabled us to get guys open versus their looks and get the ball out of my hand. And, um, um, you know, we kind of went right down the field one play at a time and that's how you do it. You know, you don't try to get it all in one play. You just take what they give you. And, and uh, next thing you know, you're across the 50. Next thing you know, you're in the red zone. And next thing you know, you score. This, it, it's just improbable to, to be able to pull this thing off and to even be in this position in the first place. So let's capitalize on it. I'd love to see BBB the guy to catch this touchdown. Two receivers left and right. Cousins back to pass. Fires to the end zone. Yes! Touchdown Vikings! 
Chad Beebe! Well done! Your first National Football League touchdown has made everybody forget about the muff, and it's tied the game at 27. Chad Beebe! Very satisfying drive. It was just a great feeling to hit Chad, watch him come down with it, see the referee's arms go up, and then uh, go celebrate with your teammates. And, and then we left a little too much time, uh, more time than I would have liked on the clock, but our defense did a great job, and uh, glad he missed the kick. Kirk, are those the moments you live for? I mean, seriously, I know it didn't work out the Dallas game, but any quarterback in the NFL, and you've had one heck of a month of October, of uh, November uh, producing uh, uh, not just your statistics, but the wins the Vikings have had. Uh, t- take us inside your mind right now. Is how, I mean, how energizing is that for you to have that success and have those moments as a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, the game uh, certainly was a stressful one, but when you win in that fashion, I don't think it's there's any better way to win as a quarterback than being able to go down the field and get the necessary points, you know, in the final minute to take the lead. Um, that's the most fun way to win, uh, you know, with all those pass attempts. And, and uh, you know, I was having fun. And it was great to see teammates have success, you know, great to see players like Ola BC and Chad Beebe and Tyler Conklin, who – uh, earlier in the year weren't getting as many opportunities and great to see them be great playmakers for us all throughout the game and especially in crunch time. So uh, it was a fun scene in the locker room afterwards celebrating and obviously a fun night Sunday night uh, when you get back home and um, we got to build on it. You know, now we look ahead to Jacksonville and, and look at the next steps we can take. All right. Thanks, Kirk, for that wild recap of Sunday's win over Carolina. Next up, our special guest, the man of the hour. Wide receiver Chad Beebe, who caught that game-winning touchdown pass right here in Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. It's game day any day. Play the new Viking Scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. Innovative Office Solutions and the Minnesota Vikings are teaming up to put the spotlight on nonprofit organizations doing good in the community that surround us. Nominate a deserving organization by going to community.innovativeos.com. Innovative Office Solutions is the hometown provider of office essentials and furniture to the Minnesota Vikings. Are you all in? Well, Kirk, our special guest today uh, is an absolute study in perseverance. Uh, team 80 years who had such a big afternoon on Sunday catching the game-winning touchdown pass. Chad Beebe, and, and uh, what a story he is, Kirk. I'll let you just take it away. Yeah, we're privileged to have Chad join us. Uh, tremendous player, tremendous teammate, tremendous person. Chad, welcome to the show. Uh, just give me your thoughts coming away from the game yesterday. Did you have a lot of family and friends reaching out to you as you left the stadium? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, Kirk and Mark, for having me. Um, it was <laughs> a crazy day, to say the <laughs> least. Uh, I did have a ton of family and friends, a lot of people coming out of the woodworks to uh, – um, just to give, you know, congratulations and all that. But, uh, yeah, a whirlwind of emotions, that's for sure. So the touchdown pass gets uh, all the attention. Obviously, you and I come away from the game thinking of so many plays throughout the game that have an impact that lead us to that moment. But talk about the touchdown pass from your perspective. I'll say that from my perspective, I believe when we broke the huddle that you were the least likely person to get the ball. Uh, you probably know that knowing how, how I'm supposed to read that play, uh-huh. but, uh, talk about your thoughts and what you noticed as you went through that play. Oh, it's, it's funny that you said that because I was, I kind of had the same thought, you know, um, but I knew coming out of the huddle, it, it's supposed to be a clear route. Right. And 
it's like, well, you know, still want to win on this route instead of just running uh, aimlessly. And uh, it sounds weird and maybe a little cliche, but it did kind of feel like that movie moment or uh, <laughs> that video game moment where time slows down and you hear the heartbeat. And uh, it's kind of how it was for me. Just everything slowed down and uh, just tried to win on the route and, and put it exactly where it needed to be. Um and uh, long story short, we made the play happen. <laughs> the defender, I could tell watching the film and seeing the highlight that he really tried to push you out of bounds. Because mm-hmm. obviously, once you go up in the air, you know, you've got to land back in the end zone. Otherwise, it's not a touchdown. So yeah. that was my biggest concern when I threw it higher to you was, is he going to be able to stay in? And, uh, you know, did you have any feeling when you left the ground that, hey, I got to get back down here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did. And I to be honest with you when i did go up i was like it's really just gravity at this point so i'm just <laughs> praying that we, we come down in bounds uh luckily we did and as i alluded to there's so many other plays that go throughout the game that have an impact and i think of early on you caught a a third down pass in the flat and were able to reach for a big first down that you know helped us kind of get out of being backed up i think of a couple catches you made on the final drive before the touchdown you know, this year, the role you've had, the unique personnel groupings we use to have you on the field and kind of how you've embraced that role and really shown up for us on third downs and in some big situations. Yeah, I guess for me and how I've always viewed um, playing in general is just doing what I'm asked to do uh, and trying to do it to the best of my ability. And, uh, you know, as the year has gone on, I feel like my role has grown a little bit along the way. And like I said, just trying to fit that mold as much as possible and I'm not trying to give the perfect answer, but just to yeah. uh, help our team win games. And Yeah. It's made a difference. And I know the personnel groupings we use, we get an empty a lot and yeah, going up. And I think you kind of give us a weapon that if teams do want to take away an, an Adam Thielen or a Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, if they want to forget about a Chad Beebe, kind of like they did on the touchdown, you know, we're okay with that. So yeah. <laughs> um, it provides a great weapon for us. But uh, what a lot of fans may not know is your journey is a unique one. Every NFL player faces adversity and has kind of a, a, a twist and turn to get to success in the NFL. But yours even even more so uniquely with the injuries you've faced. Back us up a little bit and talk about kind of your history, uh, not just in the pros, but even in college of what you've kind of had to fight through from a health standpoint. I mean, it, it's – I could go back to high school, to be honest with you. I haven't had a healthy season until this year since my sophomore year of high school. Wow. So I've always, every year, have been struggling with something. Um, and the crazy part about it is it's usually not a soft tissue injury. I think I've only had a few of those. They've always been broken bones and surgeries and just some craziness. Um, but – this year has been different yeah high school just really struggled with injuries college same thing you know I I went into my senior year of college and was feeling great and uh, started out the year really well and uh, we almost beat Boston College and then it ended up being week I believe it was week three or four Um, but I separated my shoulder I ended up with a concussion on a big hit so that took me out for quite a few weeks and then I finally came back and went out for a diving catch and 
I broke some ribs, had some wow. internal damage. I was actually in the hospital for a week. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't that great, right? It wasn't the, the end of the season that I was hoping for or the season in general that I was hoping for. But, you know, God opened a door here with the Vikings being um, an invite, minicamp invite guy, and I was able to uh, get that undrafted um free agent contract and uh you know long story short i'm still here and lord yeah. willing will continue to be and all yeah. those things so. so uh it says a little bit about your ability when you face those kind of injuries and yet still make it you know guys who are okay players and face those injuries in college they're not being brought in and they're not making the team uh clearly you know you have a lot of ability to be able to kind of fight through those injuries, still get noticed. And then when you get here as an undrafted player, who's not being handed anything to stand out enough that the team says, Hey, we got to keep this guy around and find a way to kind of develop him and get him ready to go, which is what the last couple of years have been about in addition to fighting through some injuries. But um, when you first got into the Vikings, what your role was, because really I think people saw you as a punt returner, as a you know wide receiver that could develop into something so did you have to kind of focus on being a punt returner more than anything as a way to make the team? Or did you say, I'm going to make this team as a receiver? Oh, man, that's a good question. And a little bit of a tough one to answer. I, I think at first, when I first got here, I had the mindset of, I really have nothing to lose. You know, right. like I, I'm just going to do the best I can in all of the different things that they put me in. So yes, that was punt return. And Obviously, I wanted to give my best in that, but also from a receiver standpoint, um, both of those things, honestly, as I, as I look back, I, it was more so I'm going to just try to show them all of my abilities, you know, and, and make sure I leave it all on the table. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to, you know, if it didn't work out or if it doesn't work out, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to live with the thought of, well, I didn't do enough here. I didn't do enough there. You know, I wanted to leave it all on the table. And yep. I really truly believe that that's what I did. And I, that's kind of who I am. And I'll continue to be that way. You know? People often say that uh, quarterback is the toughest job on the field or the toughest job in sports. And I'm not going to argue with anybody who says that because I appreciate the, the understanding of how hard my job is. That being said, <laughs> if you ask me what the toughest job in football is, it's returning punts. Okay. I stand there on the sideline every week because we're getting the ball back. So I'm standing down the sideline right by where the punt returner's position. And every time that ball goes in the air, sky high, because NFL punters are not college punters. That ball is high. And I watch world-class athletes sprinting at them and they aren't allowed to look at those world-class athletes. They have to be looking at the ball and somehow guess and feel where to catch that ball, all while knowing that if I don't make the right decision here, I'm either going to get my head ripped off yeah. or I'm going to have a coach yell at me for not making the right decision with the fair catch. So it's a, it is a tough job. And uh, having never done it, I never want to do it, but I have an appreciation for it. Um, talk about you know how hard of a job it is, how you learn to do it. And then specifically yesterday, the first – of the game the guy hits you helmet to helmet in a brutal hit that i thought maybe was going to cause that player to be ejected from the game mm -hmm. and then obviously the one before the final drive where it's it's fumbled kind of talk about that whole entire 
journey there. Yeah, punt return. <laughs> it's uh it's yeah, it's not easy. I mean, there's not a lot of the thought process behind it, everything is just it's split seconds, right? I mean that that's what football is in general. And yep. it's funny that you said, you know, you can't really look at the guys that are running at you and it's true. And and when you do and you get caught and then trying to figure out how close they are, that's kind of when muffs happen when you're taking your eyes off of the ball. And it, it's it's kinda hard to to coach that up, it's kind of just making it happen, you know. Um, but yeah, that that hit yesterday. I definitely still feeling that uh, today. Um, it was violent. It was violent. Yeah, I, we were just hoping to get a return there. Uh, obviously, looking back, I should have called a fair catch, but uh, I didn't. Probably was being a little bit too aggressive, <laughs> uh, and. Um, you know, going into that last punt return, very weird uh, circumstances. You know, I, I, it's a typical fair catch situation. Again, maybe being a little bit too aggressive, calling a later fair catch there. Um, probably should have called it earlier and just made the catch. But uh, yeah, I came up on it and they got a little close to me. You know, some, some would argue it may, may have been able to be a, a flag, but it is what it is. Uh, Again, just got to make that catch, but it did kind of set up for a cool story um, the way that game ended. As I saw the highlight uh, later, my dad showed me on his phone a clip of the TV announcer, and as the ball was caught by you for the touchdown, the announcer said, redemption. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely right. That's the word. So <laughs> I loved hearing that from the announcer. And uh, I got to ask you, you know, your dad, uh, Don Beebe, played nine years in the NFL, played in six Super Bowls. Six Super Bowls in nine years, pretty incredible number. But uh, talk about his involvement in your football career, his involvement in your life, you know, kind of how he's impacted and steered you as you go through your, as you've gone through your journey. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he coached me in high school. Uh, those were successful, right? You had a pretty good team? Yeah, we, well, we won, won the uh, state championship my junior and senior year. Um, I think that's a decent high school career. It doesn't get any better than that. (laughs) But those are memories, you know, I'll take for a lifetime. Sure. With your father. I mean, that's, that's something special. And going into college, it was, it was tough, you know, Um, just trying to work through all the injuries and still growing up as a man too. But my dad uh, has always been there. Um, First as a father. And then secondly, as somebody I can count on for, you know, advice with football and, uh, and that's carried on truly from high school to college and until now, and I'm beyond thankful for it. You know, the biggest thing I I would say I'm I'm most thankful for is the faith aspect and, you know, bringing me up in a a Christian home and being able to learn all of those things um, from him has been huge and not just learning it, but yeah, not just learning it, but being able to see him live it out too is huge. Um, and um, yeah he's a role model you know still today we we talk football we talk life uh we've already had two or three phone call conversations since yesterday after the game so (laughs) he's my best friend for sure so uh what a lot of people don't know is that i went to the don bb house of speed camp when i was a kid because uh, you grew up in the Chicagoland area. That's where your dad went after he retired from his pro career. I grew up in the Chicago area. And so your dad held these camps around Chicago in the summer that you could go to to learn to get faster. And 
as people, if people don't know, your, one of your dad's attributes that really made his success is uh, his speed. He had world-class speed. He ran a 4.240 uh, that got him noticed from a very small school. So when he retired, he, he had something to share to teach other people. Well, my dad signed me and my brother up for that camp because my dad would watch me and my brother play sports and say, they don't have speed. So if they're ever going to go anywhere in sports, they need to learn how to get faster. I don't think my dad realized that at some point you can't learn speed. You can't teach speed. You either have it or you don't. But uh, um, we went to the camp. And so we, we I had, you know, were exposed to your dad and his uh, uh, camp at a young age, which is kind of fun because it was fun for me then to look back on that camp and think that back then I was just dreaming of, of what I could do someday. And so to actually be playing in the NFL and then see you as a teammate was full circle for me. But uh, uh, I know you take your body real seriously. Obviously your dad, you know, trained you well. Um, talk about kind of your approach to, you know, how you train and take care of your body. And then also maybe who are some of the pro players that you like to model yourself after or emulate uh, and, and learn from? Yeah. My dad, his house of speed business. Uh, shoot. I've, He's been training me since I was five years old, honestly. <laughs> it wasn't all always weights and all that, but uh, it, I remember, golly, I was probably six or seven years old and he was having me jump rope on concrete, you know, because you, if you ever uh, hit your heels on concrete barefoot, it is not fun and it, <laughs> it doesn't feel good. So it taught you to stay on the balls of your feet. But yeah, you know, I've been training with him since I was very young. Um, and he knows kind of how I work better than anybody. And mm -hmm. so for me to be able to train with him, you know, I always get the best out of it that way. Um, but, you know, the, the three big things for us is just the, the strength, explosive power, and the flexibility. All three of those combined can create a great athlete. And, um, and so those are really the three main focuses that we like to um, – pick apart and uh, dissect when we're working out but uh some yeah some pro athletes that i like to emulate um hmm the slot receiver is kind of a position that's grown over the last several yeah. years and it's become quite a weapon um i mean you know, i think a lot of people can pigeonhole you into that too you know yeah um and maybe I pigeonhole myself too when I'm say a few of these names, <laughs> but I love to watch like Cole Beasley. I love to watch uh, Cooper cup. Um, those two guys, especially this year and last year, I've really um, taking a liking to, to watch more on them and see how they play. Um, I just think that there's a lot in common there. Um, and if I didn't watch them, I'd be crazy, you know, and we'll be right back with more from Chad Beebe right after this on Under Center with Kirk Cousins presented by Fleet Farm. Fleet Farm's holiday layaway is back. Get the products you want before they're gone and pay as you go. Christmas just got easier. Fleet Farm, we've got you covered. Subscribe to the official YouTube channel of the Minnesota Vikings to get all the latest video content from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Watch segments from TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected. Catch original digital programming like The Voyage and Vikings Post Game Live. Hear from players and coaches, plus more. Visit vikings.com slash YouTube to subscribe today. 
What a lot of people don't realize watching the games is how personnel groupings will often dictate production. You know, we'll have a play where we have three tight ends, one receiver and one running back. Well, if you're a receiver, there's only one spot on the field if we're going to be in that personnel grouping, which is usually going to go to Adam or, or Justin. Yeah. Um, you know, very rarely are we in a personnel grouping with four or five wide receivers, which, you know, at that point, you know, if you're one of the top four or five receivers, then you're getting in the game. But if we're not using that personnel grouping, it, it really limits your opportunities. And so, uh, you know, in this system and the way we operate with so many tight ends and a fullback and our tailbacks, it makes it much harder to get on the field and get those opportunities that maybe a Cole Beasley is going to get far more often in, in another offense. Um, so talk about kind of staying ready and being ready to answer the call. Like when Adam's out last, you know, this past week and you have to jump in kind of the challenge that that is, but then also, um, you know, the difference you can make. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of having a mentality of staying ready. Uh, cause like you said, I mean, that that's true. Um, sometimes production does correlate to the system you're in and, uh, opportunities you get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, we've got the best back in the league and two phenomenal receivers, um, at X and Z. And, uh, so, you know, to answer your question, it's just more so making sure I am ready when my number's called, because the last thing you want is when you are thrown out there, either one, you don't know what you're doing or two, you're not prepared to do whatever you're being called to do, you know, and I don't want that to be me. Uh, so it's just staying ready and staying focused with what I'm called to do. Absolutely. I, I have one follow-up, Chad. I, I think in the last 24 hours, I've heard a lot of people talk about what you went through late in yesterday's game. is sort of a microcosm of life that uh, we get knocked down, we have to dust ourselves off and get back up. Uh, normally, it, it could that process could take five, ten years. You happen to go through that in about five minutes. So I'm wondering your thought process on the bench. I was watching you. Teammates came up and patted you on the back and try to encourage you. I'm sure you felt like you just wanted the earth to swallow you up at the same time after the muff punt. But here you are catching the winning touchdown pass. I heard PJ Fleck talk about it today, saying, I'm going to show this as an example. Does it feel like it is kind of a, an example of just sort of bigger than football, that this is what does represent all of us, that we have to kind of dust ourselves off. We're going to get another chance and you got to stay ready. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you asked that question because we talked a little bit about my background, but it's, it was almost like a snapshot of my life within 10 or 15 minutes mm-hmm. of that game, you know, cause my life is, it's honestly, it's been injury come back and I would actually feel great and, and better than I was before. And then oh great. Here we go. Another injury, try to fight back. You know, it was kind of like an ongoing thing and it almost became routine, which is kind of sad to say, you know, but going back to the game that's exactly what it was you know I dropped the punt which is obviously the last thing I wanted to do in that situation because my job called it's you know calls me to catch the punt and uh, get the offense back on the field but that's life right the unexpected sometimes happens um and it was unexpected for me you know I wasn't expecting myself to drop that punt but it happened and uh and coming to the sidelines, I was thinking, oh, boy, you know, I'm, I either might get an earful. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, this is the last thing I wanted. <laughs> but I came to the sidelines, and it was either silence from some people and, and from other people. It was a lot of encouragement. A lot of teammates, you know, coaches came up to me, and it was encouragement. And, and they were right, you know. For a split second, I was disappointed. 
Uh, I think that's just human nature. I was, uh, wasn't happy with myself. Uh, but after coming to the sidelines and taking a few deep breaths, I was like, you know, we do still have time on the clock, and the defense did a great job stopping them, holding them to a field goal, you know. Um, we ended up with better field position and were able to drive down and, and score that touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, you know, just having the, the ability to, um, uh, to have those teammates around me to encourage me, pick me up, uh, it was kind of an interesting feeling running onto the, the field and standing in that huddle for that two-minute drive. It's almost like a calming sensation came over mm. me. I don't, I'm not sure how the other guys felt or how you felt, Kirk, but it was like, you know, we actually, for whatever reason, this feels right, and I think, you know, we can make this happen. And it's exactly what, what, what ended up happening. And, you know, Lord willing, uh, we, we pulled it off. Well, it, uh, it, uh, your, your story yesterday reminds me of my all time favorite quote that I apply to football and to my own journey. And that's tough times don't last tough people do. Mm. And, uh, you have to just keep playing. And that's what I've learned in my career. And you learned yesterday that the best way to fight through adversity is to keep coming back to yeah. not stop. Um, and, and it's so hard emotionally when you have a setback, an injury, a failure on the field to, it, it's so hard to come back. You want to just throw in the towel and shut it down and go do something easier. That's not going to be uncomfortable, but, um, you know, when you choose to keep coming back, good things happen. And yesterday is a great example of that. And so I always remember and was reminded again yesterday that tough times don't last tough people do. And uh, I think you showed a lot of toughness yesterday, not only, you know, physically, but mentally and emotionally to come back from it the way you did and have so many big catches on the final drive. So that was outstanding to see and, and no surprise for people who know you like myself. So, Chad, before we let you go, I got to ask you, what are your kind of expectations now with five games left in the regular season? What do you uh, look ahead now? What are you thinking going into the final stretch of the year? Yeah, well, I'm just really excited. Um you know, as a wideout group, we'll, we'll get Adam back. Uh, I feel like coming off this game, it kind of propels us into this, the end of the season here um, with, you know, some motivation and, and maybe a little bit of uh, um, momentum, you know, going into this last part of the season. So I'm just excited to continue on playing the role I'm playing um, and hopefully turn this thing into something really special, you know. Yeah. Um, that's really what I'm excited about because I, I think that it could happen, no doubt. Well, thanks for joining us, Chad. Appreciate your time and uh, uh, congrats on the game on Sunday. And uh, can't wait to see what you're going to contribute to the offense here in the final five regular season games. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Yeah, thanks, thank Chad. You. Thank you. Well, big thanks to Chad Beebe for being our guest this week. And what a wild day it was indeed. We'll be right back to look ahead to Jacksonville Jaguars right here in Under Center with Kirk Cousins presented by Fleet Farm. Download Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app to watch all of your favorite Vikings programming on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Search Vikings Now with any compatible device to begin watching videos. Watch full episodes of TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected Plus digital programming like The Voyage. Also watch game highlights, player and coach press conferences, and much more. It's vikings.com slash ctv for info. 
Well, Kirk, you mentioned now it's time to look ahead to Jacksonville, a team that's only won one game this this year. But uh, I don't think anyone in that Viking locker room probably is thinking, well, we got we got to just kind of show up for this one. Uh, it doesn't work that way in the NFL, as we've oh. seen. So initial thoughts and, and getting ready to play a Jacksonville team, which lost to Cleveland, a really good Cleveland team right now, 27 to 25 on Sunday afternoon. That's right. No, you have to understand that uh, we got to ignore the record because the record is one thing. Uh, but when you actually watch the tape and you see the, the, the scheme and the talent and the players, you realize um, they're an NFL team, they're an NFL defense. And we, we lost to a Cowboys team that had two wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be honest, I didn't sense a big difference in talent or effort from a two win Dallas team and a you know double-digit win team that we've played in previous years. Uh, at the end of the day, it's an NFL defense, and they have great players all over the field. Uh, Jacksonville will be no different. So we have to be a mature football team and uh, ignore anybody on the outside thinking that uh, you know we can just show up and um, understand, no, you know, we need this game, and we're going to have to play great football to be able to come out with a win. Well, you understand better than anyone what that win uh, on Sunday meant for this football team. And yes, you got five games to go, but what a difference that win makes now that you have an opportunity. And that's all you can ask for right now to string some more wins together, get yourself potentially into a playoff position. And after a one and five start, I don't think anyone really thought that was probably a, a likelihood. And here you are with that opportunity now. Well, we certainly dug ourselves a hole early in the year and, um, uh, you know, we're, we're not even 500, so it's not that we're in a great position, but what we do have is the word you use, an opportunity. And with uh, five games to go, uh, what we're hoping to achieve is out there in front of us. It's not going to be easy. We're going to have to play really, really good football week in and week out all the way to the finish. But uh, it certainly is an encouraging feeling when you go to work and know that everything uh, is right out there in front of you to go get. Uh, but we do need to be at our absolute best uh, for the rest of the way. Kirk, nationally, the big story over the weekend, the Denver Broncos quarterback room was decimated. They ended up starting a, a guy who was on there, a wide receiver who was on their practice squad, who I believe played some quarterback at Wake Forest. They got destroyed by New Orleans. I don't know if the league was trying to send a message, but you could talk about your own quarterback room. They, some of the quarterbacks apologized for going maskless at times. Was it a warning shot to the rest of the league and your room, everyone else's room, to understand what's at stake here? Yeah, I was. I didn't follow it closely, but I was surprised to think that an NFL team would go into a game when you only have 16 of them a year, and go into a game without a true quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, unique, you know, somewhat unprecedented. And um, we have been very vigilant in our building uh, from day one, uh, going back to July, about the mask wearing, um, about social distancing, uh, about monitoring the, the tracers to see if we are getting in close contact. Thankfully, our facility is such an outstanding facility with so much space that uh, we don't have as many challenges as maybe some other teams do because we mm. can distance. Um, and our staff has done a great job of creating opportunities and spaces and meeting rooms for us to be able to distance. Uh, we've had to use a lot of technology to be able to do remote meetings uh, and split up. So our offense is often scattered around the building, but we're all together yeah. in one meeting over the over technology. Uh, it's been a an interesting fall and, and it keeps changing. You know, the protocols will evolve and, and we've, you know, even last week changed some of the rules into to how we have to do it. But um, we have to take it seriously because it's literally like being injured if something were to happen, if you either get the virus or have a close contact. So mm-hmm. we wear the masks, we take it seriously. And uh, we got some people around the building who are basically the police that are gonna enforce those <laughs> rules. 
And if we if we uh, don't follow them, we're going to get an earful from them. Yeah, I'm sure you are. And I, uh, there's so much at stake. The National Football League obviously wants to get to the finish line. And as we are closer to the end of the regular season, there's been some whispers about the potential of some of the teams bubbling up like some of the other sports have done down the home stretch. I, I don't know how you feel about it, if you have an opinion about that, uh, to take every possible precaution. Because, you know, obviously a lot of money at stake. Uh, the National Football League hasn't yet to cancel a game. To, uh, but uh, here we are, uh, and they're, they're trying to make it uh, make it happen. Well, I want to see the season get played. So, you know, we've already, you know, worked through some inconveniences uh, through the process, uh, but we will make the necessary sacrifices to get this season played. And uh, we have, you know, five weeks to go to get through the regular season, and then we still have, you know, the playoffs to manage as well. So um, it's a fluid situation as it really has been since last spring. And uh, I think the players are going to do what's ever best for their health and safety and whatever's best for uh, our careers to allow these games to get played. Well, certainly a dramatic finish. Uh, maybe not make it so exciting on Sunday against Jacksonville, but good luck against the Jaguars at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, Kirk. I hear you, Rosie. Let's, let's try to get one that's a little more convincing. <laughs> Again, a big thanks to our guest, wide receiver Chad Beebe, and thanks to you for listening to another edition of Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. We'll see you again next week.